Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Dan Well, who's Marketing and Insights Director at Springboard Research. Been on a couple of times before, always a really, really interesting chat. And Diane will be opening the Productivity and Transformation event on the 15th of September. Hi, Diane. Welcome back. Hi, Simon. Great to be with you. You well? I am now, having had my first bout of COVID, so I'm feeling a lot better. Although still sound a little bit coldy, so apologies, everyone. Good. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better and um, kind of over the worst of it. So it's been a while since we spoke. I think it was probably tail end of last year, so almost a good 12 months ago. And well, wow, the world's changed a lot, hasn't it? We were coming out of uh, lockdown with hope and we've entered a war and we've got hyperinflation, which I'm sure we'll touch on today and, and maybe the the new normal that people were thinking about has taken another slight hit or curveball or directional change. Absolutely. I, I did mention to someone yesterday that I feel like I'm living back in 1982, which was the last time inflation was at this level. And unfortunately, I remember it. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. But yeah, it seems that, you know, the great hopes we had for the great recovery have been stymied somewhat. Um, but some things are looking still really positive, which that's really good. So hopefully some of the stuff I've got to talk about will give some people some encouragement for the future and for, for the fourth quarter of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom. But be, before we get onto that, just give us a bit of a an update of what you you guys are doing at Springboard and some of the the things you've been thinking about and looking at. Okay, so as always with Springboard, um, for anyone who doesn't know us, and hopefully there aren't very many that don't, um, we track customer behaviour. Um, we provide data on stores, data and analytics, in store behaviour is is our. Is our is our focus. So we're looking at what customers do in, turn, in terms of visiting destinations and in visiting retail stores. Um, and so that's footfall data, but also we track spend data as well across a range of um, different types of retail stores around the UK. Um, it's all about understanding the customer and understanding the physical retail environment. Excellent. And I know you do some amazing updates, webinars, all that kind of stuff on LinkedIn and on the website. So we'll post those in the show notes. So for those that aren't following, they can get on board and kind of keep up to date. Yeah, no, we do. We actually did one uh, this week on uh, the US. We have a strong presence in the US now looking at US downtowns. And we had quite a strong UK audience for that as well. So yeah, as, as Simon says, we do regular webinars um, and updates and releases and reports all available on our website spring-board.info um, and you can download the recording of the webinar free of charge so fill your boots as they say excellent excellent so let's have a chat then about current trends across high street and retail parks shopping centers what kind of stuff are you seeing is it is it all doom and gloom or actually are there some um, seeds of hope in there well, it's interesting. I mean, we're seeing a steady, steady as she goes, really, at the moment. We're not seeing this huge impact of inflation, as you mentioned, quite yet. Um, footfall, and that's the volume of activity that we're seeing in our retail destinations. And at Springboard, we look at high streets, retail parks and shopping centres um, as the three key destination types. That's actually um, just about 16% ahead of where we were last year, um, which is great news. Um, and in high streets, it's 23% ahead of where we were last year. Shopping centres, 16%. Um, retail parks on par with last year, because retail parks actually have been the most resilient of the three all the way through COVID. Um, I mean, everyone knows what they look like. You know, they're really easy to get to. Car parking is free, which is always helpful. 
uh, stores are big. So when we were all very, very worried about uh, infection rate, you know, visiting bigger stores made us feel a little bit more comfortable. And also, of course, the majority of retail parts have food stores and the vast majority of us still buy our food from food stores. So retail parts have been steady as she goes, very resilient. Um, shopping centres and high streets took a hit and have bounced back. But we've still got a gap between where we are now and where we were in 2019. And that's around 14% overall, um, 17% in high streets and 19% in shopping centres. So, you know, we the issue is, and I'm asked this quite a lot, is will we ever get back to where we were in 2019? And my answer is always the same, no. Um, because there was an underlying structural change happening anyway. There was some transference and migration of spend from physical stores to online each year over the past decade before COVID. And so some of that um, drop that we are witnessing from 2019 is actually a result of the fact that we would have changed our shopping habits anyway. Uh, we'd have lost about 4%, 5% of, of footfall in any event over the three years. So some of that is a non-COVID impact. So we're not likely to get back to 2019 levels. But the gap is narrowing and there has been recovery this year, which is really positive. Yeah, yeah, no, that all sounds positive. And is there any is there anything different in city centres? So there's still, and I'm seeing it again in the news even this morning, where we've got some big organisations who said, yeah, don't bother ever coming back to the office now, saying, yeah, actually, we want you back three days a week minimum. So is, are, the, are the city centres, are, are there any outliers there or are they following the same trend? They're largely following the same trend, although they are lagging behind um, slightly. I mean, it's interesting because over the period of COVID, regional cities, that's our big city centres around the UK, the drop in footfall that they were experiencing was much greater than the drop that we saw in our smaller high streets in what we call our market towns, um, but because people weren't in the office at all. And then as people started to move back toward going into the office, that it became you know, it came a bit more balanced. And in July, actually, um, in regional cities outside of London, and I'll talk about London in a minute because that is a special case, uh, footfall was 14% down from 2019. And in market towns, it was 17% down um, compared to 2019. So it seems that regional cities have recovered really well and they bounced back. But you see, you've still got the gap, and that's because people are working at home for part of the week. And we actually, are, at Springboard, we undertake a an online consumer survey every quarter asking people whether they work at home all of the week, part of the week or not at all. And around 50% of consumers still work at home for at least part of the week. So until or unless that that's changes and people go back to the office predominantly, we are going to see this gap in the big cities because people are simply not there five days a week. Um, you mentioned central London, and that's really interesting. That's slightly lagging behind other city centres around the UK. Footfall in central London in July was 23% below 2019, whereas in outside of London, as I said, it was 14%. And, of course, central London is a really complex environment and um, it has a whole host of things going on. And in, during COVID, it was hit multiple ways by a lack of tourism, people not working in their offices, the fact that everyone needed to rely predominantly on public transport and people didn't feel very comfortable in going on tubes and buses during covid um, and a lot of people, of course, live in outer London. Why would they face those challenges if they didn't need to? And outer London, so that's the ring around London, within the N25, but outside central London, that is being, has been very resilient and continues to be very resilient. Uh, footfall there is just 11% below 2019. So you can see that 
the drop in central London is, is double that outside in outer London. So people are definitely mixing and doing this hybrid working model. Um, and so I think that will definitely continue and that will definitely be a very, very strong influence on football. And there's Bloomberg, I think, do the Pret Index, don't they? So they, they're tracking it based on kind of transactions at Pret, which is quite interesting. And their their figures absolutely correlate with yours in terms of how that's looking back, but not quite back. And whether it ever gets back to normal, we'll, or whatever normal is, we, we'll see. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the Pret Index is a, is a very good index, a very good idea for an index because, well, it was when Pret were predominantly in city centres, but of course I think they've seen the writing on the wall now and have started to expand their operation into more suburban locations yeah. that perhaps they wouldn't have wanted to go into before. But um, you're absolutely right. You know, until we are, unless we're back in the office five days a week, we aren't going to return to a situation that's anything like 2019. But fundamentally, I do believe we've seen this shift and it's almost been an alternative paradigm and I really don't believe that we ever are going to get back to where we were in terms of our habits and our and the way we work that we were in 2019. Absolutely absolutely and it's interesting because I've spent some time in London kind of early early parts of when post lockdown through to even a couple of weeks ago and there's certainly a big big shift now there's lots more foreign tourists clearly there's lots of people this year doing staycations because of the chaos we've seen um through the media at the airports certainly the major ones and then the restrictions in in flight so that will that give us a short-term kind of feel-good factor in those big cities or where we're doing staycation and then there's this big kind of um dark cloud storm cloud as we end enter into the colder part of the year where the this energy surge in price is really going to hit us um and people start to think differently you've still got the, the fuel piece going on so is there kind of is this a bit of light before the storm i, th- I think it is actually um i think that people know that the um the increase in energy prices um is going to hit us later in the year um, but you're right, a lot of people have taken a much long for holiday and that's um, obviously reduced footfall in, in some places. I mean, coastal towns over the, over the summer have been absolutely phenomenal, I have to say, because of the hot weather. And the hot weather has hit a perfect time for coastal towns around the UK. So, you know, just as schools broke up, we got the huge heat waves. So they've done really, really well. But other people are taking staycations, as you say, into central London, into other places around the UK. Um, so... Um, that is certainly happening and the, and, and the UK towns and cities are benefiting from that. But as, as we've seen it in the past, and in, unfortunately Springboard and, and myself have been around so long that I remember previous recessions, when we get to a recessionary point, whether or not it's an official recession, people rail back on uh, visits to destinations that are quite a long way away because it costs them a lot of money. You know, either in fuel and parking, and they simply don't have the budget within their household to allow for that. So they tend to stay more local. So it does help our, our smaller towns, um, our more local towns, because they think, well, if I'm not going to spend a huge amount of money because I don't have the money to spend, I'll stay local. So city centres tend to be have a harder proportionate hit in recessionary times than smaller towns and cities because they're easier to get to and they're less, less expensive to reach. So it, it looks like all the key indicators are suggesting we're going to undoubtedly end up in recession. How will that change shopping habits and behaviour? Well, I mean, it's interesting with recession. Unfortunately or fortunately, I've been in a position and been 
working long enough and Supreme Court's been around long enough for us to have witnessed previous recessions. And during recessionary periods in the past, what we've seen, of course, is people rail back on, on spending and that means they rail back on trips, so footfall will be hit. Um, but also we've seen a change in behaviour in recessions. So people tend to rail back on trips to big city centres because it, it costs more to get there. Um, parking is expensive and if they feel they haven't got any money to spend, why would they go to a big city centre and go through all of the travel time and the day out and they can't actually afford to go? So in previous recessions, what we've seen is people tend to stay local more and proportionally regional cities are hit harder than smaller high streets. Um, people just stay local, they buy more functionally, uh, they buy smaller amounts um, more frequently and manage their budgets more carefully in that way. So that's probably what we're likely to see. And, and interesting, again, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the post office came out and said they'd seen this big increase in cash. So people withdrawing cash, managing their budget in a, a much more micro way and feeling like they're spending rather than just paying by everything on a on a card and tap and go, which maybe doesn't feel like you're actually parting with cash. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, during COVID, cash, you know, disappeared almost. Everyone was encouraged to use card only. But you're right, you know, the um, you can manage, people feel that if you've got cash in your hand, you can actually manage what you've got and you've got the final pot in front of you and you can see it disappearing as you spend it. So it does encourage you not to spend so readily. Um, that was the issue, of course, when we had the credit boom back in the early 80s. People just went out and spent because it was you know, it was invisible almost. So, yes, um, they are starting to be very careful. And indeed, you know, a large proportion of households are already having it a really tough time. And we haven't seen, you know, the energy um, uplift in costs that we're likely to see in October and then in January yet. Um, and, of course, we're in a warm period of the year where energy is used less anyway. So it's going to be... Yeah, and, and interestingly, kind of the cash rise goes against everything most retailers have been doing with card-only checkouts, certainly the big supermarkets removing man checkouts. So um, the the cost then and the on cost of handling that cash and sending it off to be banked and ordering your change, that, that will all drive cost into to lots of the big retailers because they've been edging their bets it's moving the other way yes absolutely they're going to need more staff to man the tills um as you say is there's all about the cash handling process they're going to need more staff at head office to manage that cash um and it will hit certain retailers more than others the retailers probably at the value end are likely to be hit more than that and of course their margins tend to be much thinner anyway and they're much more volume-based retailers so yeah, it's going to be tough for retailers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the horizon, it doesn't feel like it quite at the moment as we come out of the heat wave is Christmas. And typically now we're, we've been kind of indoctrinated pre-Christmas into this whole Black Friday, I'll call it week or weeks, depending on what type of retailer you are. Is, are people going to go big this year because they're conscious of cost and the discounts are going to look good and we kind of go early again? Or actually, is it going to be a lot more reserved? Where, where, where's your kind of thinking? Um, I think inevitably it will be more reserved, but I think people will, um, I mean, people now know that Black Friday happening is an accepted part of the retail calendar. They build it into their festive trading purchasing journey. And I think, you know, they'll start to plan early because they need to plan because they need to, they need to budget and they will count on Black Friday to help them buy their Christmas presents um, more cheaply than if they waited longer. So I think we're going to see um, in some ways that Black Friday will be much um, much more popular um, but I think people will be very very cautious around what they spend and what they buy 
Interesting. It'd be interesting to see what kind of discounts and offers are now, whether people go for small reductions over lots of products or there's less products in offer, but there's more deeper cuts. The, the marketing teams must be um, all, in, all in action now trying to work out what the best approach is. Absolutely. And of course, we have the supply issue as well to face and build into this equation. So, you know, with the best in the world, they'll, they'll have a plan around their products. Um, and they're ranging, but if they, they need to build into whether they'll actually be able to get hold of what they want to sell and therefore what discounts they can offer, because it's interesting, isn't it? Before COVID, discounting was embedded, you know, and it had been embedded since the last recession, really, when people when retailers had started to discount to try and boost sales. And, you know, I, I was a great advocate of, you know, please don't discount, please don't discount, because it just drives yeah. down margins and therefore contracts the retail industry. And then during COVID, um, because supply was restricted, we had less discounting, and that you know that 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 urge to discount sort of waned over the last three years because people know that there's less supply, and therefore it's, you know you're not going to get you're not going to get bargains. It'll be very interesting to see whether that comes back, given the fact we've got issues around yeah. supply. Turbulent times ahead, I think that there's some clearly some. Um hope in there but uh, i think whatever happens it's going to be a choppy water for a, a period of time and hopefully you know things in ukraine um, clear up and become a lot easier which will help the world as well and hopefully settle things down and clearly we're going to end up with a, a new prime minister in the coming weeks as well which will signal some change good bad indifferent but um we'll, we'll stay out of politics for this i think but what i can talk about quickly some some light at the end of the tunnel is we, as I mentioned at Spring, we track store sales. So as part of the work, we, we, our work with um, landlords and high streets and um, retailers, we actually track sales in store. And this is in physical stores, nothing to do with online. And we're, probably, we're the only people that actually do this. And, you know, it's, we've seen some incredible results. You know, um, in July this year, store sales across all of the categories, and we've got about nine categories that we track, was 5% up on um 2019 um so um you know incredible really and um we've seen some huge uplifts in certain categories of goods jewelry which I mean, i've talked about before um you know has seen this huge boom post-covid for all you know all the, the um the engagements and the weddings that were delayed the jewelry even july was was 15 percent up on 2019 fashion which you know was really struggling before covid six percent up of 2019 so these numbers are fantastic you know in terms of store sales so people are buying at the moment and i don't know whether they're trying to outrun inflation and buy things they need to before the energy prices go up but certainly for stores it, it, it's looking reasonable at the moment you know so um if there are there are you know life there is some life excellent the the good to hear well on, on that positive note we'll finish there can't wait to see you at the event on the 15th of september um registrations are closed now but if you go to the rethink website there's a waiting list and if anybody wants to get in touch with you dan and find out more about springboard discuss more of what we talked about today where's the best place for them to do that so the best place is to go to our website which is spring-board.info um or email me on diane.whirl which is w-e-h-r-l-e at spring-board.info and i'm happy to uh, answer any emails so and i'm really looking forward to the, the conference Simon, it's ages since we've seen each other. Um, It'd be great to have a face-to-face event again. Thanks for your time again, Dan. Great to catch up.